Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Chainalysis, and FTX, and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Sunday, September 11th, and that means it's time for Long Read Sunday. Before we get into that, however, if you are enjoying The Breakdown, please go subscribe to it, give it a rating, give it a review, or if you want to dive deeper into the conversation, come join us on The Breakers Discord. You can find a link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash breakdown pod. Also a disclosure, as always, in addition to them being a sponsor of the show, I also work with FTX. All right, friends, this week for Long Read Sunday, we are turning to a place and a crypto community that I have some familiarity with. The setting of this week's piece is Argentina. And while I am by no means an expert, I have spent time in Argentina numerous times. And specifically, I've gotten a chance to hang out with some of the people who are involved in the crypto scene there, from VCs to maker employees, people who have used crypto for years to live and thrive and avoid the rampant inflation that has wrought such destruction. So obviously, I was super interested to see the headline title, Why Crypto Isn't a Tool for Protest in Argentina. The piece is by Leah Callan Butler, and the subtitle is this, The Idea That Growing Stablecoin Use Can Offer a Solution to Argentina's persistent economic and political problems doesn't accord with reality, says Leah Callan Butler after a recent visit. I don't know about you guys, but I am excited to see what that visit suggested to Leah. So let's dive in. I was in Buenos Aires on Argentina's Independence Day, and so I went out for a piping hot bowl of freedom soup. Called locro, this hearty stew of corn, beans, and chorizo was invented centuries ago by the indigenous people of the Andes mountain ranges at the time of Incan Empire. These days, Argentines eat it on all their major patriotic holidays, celebrating the revival of their own culture after they kicked their Spanish colonizers to the curb in the 1810 revolution. The perfect comfort food on a crypto winter's day, I sat inside a cozy local restaurant, savoring the taste of sovereignty while sipping a spectacular glass of Malbec. But outside, national tensions were boiling over. Thousands of people had emerged from their homes and convened on the streets for a cacerolazo. Derived from the Spanish word cacerola, literally meaning stew pot, a cacerolazo is a nonviolent form of demonstration where protesters bang on pots and pans. I felt drawn to join them in the chilly July air, and together we chanted in metronome to the clang of a thousand saucepan lids. 
Argentina, T-T-Tina, Argentina, T-T-Tina. For decades, Argentines have been banging on about political dysfunction and instability, widespread corruption, constant boom and bust cycles and raging inflation, and historically, they have made enough noise to score rights, rewrite laws, and cause governments to collapse. Like 2001, when the government froze the bank accounts of 18 million Argentines, Acasarolazo ousted four presidents in three weeks. Or in 2012, another Casarolazo prevented then-President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner from changing the country's constitution so that she could run for re-election. Despite those stopgap victories, Argentina is still a dog's breakfast politically and economically. Inflation is out of control. The country narrowly avoided default on a ginormous international monetary fund debt, which would have been the tenth time in history it had failed to pay its debts. The economic minister has since thrown in the towel, and Fernandez, who has been vice president since 2019, just survived an assassination attempt. Amid all of this, I've seen many articles romanticizing crypto's role in alleviating Argentina's story. They say it is a tool for freedom. They say it's bringing economic independence. They imply that these stablecoin hodling Argentines are economic dissidents using crypto as a weapon to fight for a new financial paradigm, which is probably to be expected. After all, encoded in Bitcoin's genesis block was a poignant reference to the banks being bailed out amid the 2008 global financial crisis. And as such, the crypto community has always loved to tout its technology as a tool of dissent. But Argentina's craving for stablecoins is no indicator of revolution. Hyperinflation. To put this into perspective, yes, inflation is bad everywhere right now. But in Argentina, it's running over 70% and will likely go triple digits by year's end, which sounds insane but isn't unheard of. Between 1975 and 1990, Argentina averaged 300% inflation as the government printed pesos and sprinkled them all over the economy amid a debt crisis. While I was there, I heard that Argentines had become so used to their money losing value that as long as wages were increasing in tandem with prices, many would quit pot-banging and go back to eating celebratory soup. Quote, Pretty much the whole Argentine people know that the currency is bad. We've kind of been raised with dollars in our mind because it's a much harder currency than ours, said Mariano Di Pietro Antonio, who heads strategy at Maker Growth, a core unit of MakerDAO, the lending platform that powers the DAI centralized stablecoin. DAI is much loved by Argentines, and Mariano pointed to the country's currency controls, or El Cepo, as the reason. Amid persistent market uncertainty, Argentina's appetite for the stability of USD had become so large that it began to drain the central bank's own reserves. In response, the government set a price for dollars, a price that made the peso appear to be stronger than it was, and put a lid on how much people could buy. In 2011, it was 10000 a month. Today, it's 200 a month. And the white dollar, as it's known, also slaps buyers with a 65% tax. It's an attempt to stabilize the economy, but all it has done is create a big black market. Go for a stroll in downtown Buenos Aires and you get these creepy dudes approaching you from the shadows. For a fee, they chaperone tourists and locals into little stalls where the blue dollar can be bought and sold outside of the formal channels at a price that isn't enforced by the banks, meaning it's closer to what the market is actually willing to pay for pesos. It's one of many options on a color-coded price list for people buying USD in Argentina. Trading USD outside the formal channels is illegal, but everyone does it. And if Argentines can't change their pesos into USD, they'll buy something else. They stock up on groceries or pay bills or buy furniture or grab a Mother's Day gift for next year. They will buy anything that lets them lock in the price of goods today in fear that it will be unaffordable by next week. Nexo is a security-first platform built for the long run with everything you need for your crypto. Five key fundamentals, including real-time auditing and insurance on custodial assets, safeguard your funds. 
making Nexo the right place for you to buy, exchange, and borrow against your assets safely. Learn more about Nexo's reliable business model and start your crypto journey at nexo.io. That's nexo.io. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigations support for all crypto assets. For organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi, gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting us now at Chainalysis.com Coindesk. The breakdown is sponsored by FTX US. FTX US is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets with up to 85% lower fees than competitors. There are no fixed minimum fees, no ACH transaction fees, and no withdrawal fees. One of the largest exchanges in the US, FTX US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. When you trade NFTs on FTX, you pay no gas fees. Download the FTX app today and use referral code BREAKDOWN to support the show. Stablecoin Premium. You needn't be a crypto maxi to see how crypto is an attractive alternative in an economic landscape as nightmarish as this. First, there's no limit on how much you can buy. But also, crypto never sleeps. And so it can be acquired anytime, unlike dollars that are accessible only during business hours. It's no surprise then that after their economic minister called it quits on a Saturday, Argentines bought three times the volume of stablecoins they normally would on a weekend. Rather than sit on their hands, they paid a premium to buy stables. Staring down yet another political crisis, they knew that no amount of pop-banging will prevent their savings from going poof after market uncertainty kicks into overdrive. That was the weekend before I landed in Buenos Aires in early July, and since then, Argentines have withdrawn over $1 billion in dollar deposits from the banking system. Where those dollars end up is hard to follow. Most of it is probably stashed under mattresses, but at least some of it got converted to crypto through centralized exchanges like Ripio, which reported the pump in stablecoins. Argentina requires crypto traders to link and verify their bank account. So for those without one or who wish to trade outside the formal system, they go peer-to-peer via grassroots groups that have flourished on WhatsApp and Facebook. It's impossible to measure, but I suspect the P2P sector dwarfs the regulated market. You can see this as a sort of passive protest. And if cryptos like DAI are adopted widely enough via decentralized communities that exist outside of the formal system, this makes it tougher for the government to introduce anti-crypto regulation without incurring a political cost. But this rhetoric assumes that the holders of stablecoins do so with the intent to change or dismantle something, when really they are probably just sick and tired of protesting. Stablecoins are the closest they can get to what they truly want, that is, USD. Or better, a peso that doesn't keep them awake at night. When Mariano led the introduction of DAI to Argentina in 2018, before USDC existed and Tether was still running on the Omni protocol, he saw that crypto exchanges like Binance and Bitfinex were occupied by speculators buying volatile assets like Bitcoin. Instead, he wanted to reach the sheltering people who didn't desire crypto because it might increase in value, but because it might not become worthless. His strategy proved successful. Argentina is now in the world's top 10 for crypto adoption. Even so, he said there's no local DAI community in the sense that Gary Vee would evangelize it. They're not diehards, he told me, admitting that stablecoins are just a commodity for Argentines. As long as it will hold its value, they'll go with DAI, USDC, USDT, whatever is the most liquid. Quote, there's not much differentiation, to be honest. Additionally, in a country starving for stability, where nearly 40% live below the poverty line, the holders of DAI probably didn't mint it, 
since people who mint an over-collateralized algorithmic stablecoin tend to have a lot of collateral. According to Mariano, the average mint via the MakerDAO protocol is around 100,000 DAI. Of course, it's a trustless protocol, and so there's no way to know who these people are, but they likely don't fit the profile of an Argentine hodler. Mariano said the average local transaction is more like $200 to $700. From this, I also assume that Argentines were active consumers of DAI, but not investors in MakerDAO who were concerned with running the protocol and thus holding the MKR token in order to participate in governance. No, said Mariano when I asked for his thoughts on this, governance and DAOs are another monster. No protest. In any case, crypto has certainly caught the government's attention. Case in point, the Buenos Aires government announced this year that it would allow residents to pay their taxes in crypto. The move was applauded by blockchain evangelists around the world, but when I asked locals about it, they rolled their eyes and said no Argentine was dumb enough to fall for a Trojan horse. Aside from the idiocy of linking their wallet addresses with their government-issued identity, the initiative totally missed the appeal of holding stablecoins amid an inflationary environment. Said Mariano, pointing to Gresham's law, we use the hard currency for savings, not for payments. Following the theory that people will use bad money over good money to pay for stuff, he posited, if you had a die, a dollar, and a peso, which would you use to purchase a hamburger? If you answered pesos, you would be correct, because no one wants Argentine pesos. As for the political signaling, Fernandez, the vice president, said she's open to Argentina adopting Bitcoin. But Mariano warned that this shouldn't be confused as a sign that government wants to empower its people. Quote, They don't care if it's good for the people, they only care what is good for them. He said, rattling off some of the party lines that politicians love to cite. Like, we won't clamp down on crypto, we won't stifle innovation, blah blah. Quote, It's just a pitch for the popular vote especially among upper-middle-class voters who hold crypto purely because they had some level of wealth to protect. Every day that crypto is not regulated in a third-world country, it will be difficult for the regulators to do so without a political cost. The crypto community loves to hype adoption stories like Argentina's, but sometimes a slice of humble pie is in order. There's a difference between an active, politically-charged protest that demands real change versus the coping measures we adopt out of necessity in order to survive, amid the kind of adversity that is largely outside of our control. Crypto is a safe haven, a bomb shelter, peace of mind, and a store of value for people trapped in a place where value is fleeting, and it does an excellent job at that. But it doesn't prevent the prices from going up, or quell political tensions, or stop corruption, or settle a country's IMF debt any sooner. When I was there, lost inside the Casa Rolazo, alongside all the old ladies in their pots and their pans, I felt a sense of patriotism. Argentines hold a lot of dye, but they hold even more hope for a better Argentina. And for real revolution, kitchen utensils still speak greater volumes than magic internet money. Back to NLW here. First of all, totally applaud Leah for going and actually getting the story on the ground. Second, I will agree that adoption in emerging economies or in places with unstable or inscrutable or even antagonistic monetary regimes is a trope of crypto narratives. I kind of have to disagree with the framing of this piece. The setup seems to be that what crypto advocates who are excited about adoption in a place like Argentina are excited about is the idea of Bitcoin or stablecoins in this case as some radical tool for protest. I don't believe that for the vast, vast majority of people who have any experience or knowledge of places like Argentina or other parts of the world, that's actually the case. I also don't think that people who have spent any time actually thinking about this or examining it hype adoption stories like Argentina's as adoption stories. Nor do I believe that any concerted actor truly thinks that adoption of cryptocurrency on its own is a solve for very real problems that have political roots that run deep, generational, or even longer. To the extent that there are people who think like that, that get lost inside their own meme of Bitcoin fixes this, 
And to the extent that there are people who genuinely believe that something like stablecoin adoption is going to quote-unquote solve Argentina's economy, then yes, that's absurd, and it is absolutely right to critique that point of view. However, I think that the people who care about adoption in these places care about exactly what Leah discovered. To use her words that crypto is a safe haven, a bomb shelter, peace of mind, and a store of value for people trapped in a place where value is fleeting. Now, one thing that drives me nuts that Leah didn't do, to her great credit, is to try to argue that not enough of the population was able to access this technology for it to actually be meaningful. I don't believe that's a reasonable critique. I believe it's a good critique of UX and UI, an infrastructure that we should be investing in to make crypto more accessible. But in terms of what it represents as a whole, the idea that there is now an option for people in these unstable monetary regimes, should they have the technological sophistication to take advantage of it, to not lose half of their savings overnight based on the resignation of a finance minister, is a remarkable shift. I've talked about this before on my podcast, on various podcasts, but part of what got me excited about Bitcoin was imagining Sudanese refugees who I had worked with in 2004, 2005, 2006, years before Bitcoin existed, being able to use this hard-to-confiscate, easy-to-transport, cross-border store of value. It wasn't that I thought it would be amazing if all of them had the ability to do so, but even if one or two or three of the English students I was volunteering, desperately trying to get a leg up on their interviews with the UN to be repatriated to some other country, if even a few of them would have had that technology, the ripple effects for them and across their family could have been remarkable. So yes, I agree. Stablecoins are not a tool for political protest in a place like Argentina. They're a tool for economic survival. That's the lens through which we should be exploring them, and frankly, being excited about them and even more, their potential. For now, I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Nexo.io, Chainalysis, and FTX, and thanks to you guys for listening. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. I want to tell you about Coindesk's new event, the Investing in Digital Enterprises and Asset Summit, or IDEAS. The event facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join Coindesk October 18th and 19th in New York City for a 360-degree investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets. Use code BREAKDOWN20 for 20% off a general pass. You can register today at coindesk.com ideas.